wave is not static. It is a constantly moving current pulling you towards the arms of Jesus, washing us clean of the stains of our mess, easing the weight of our past disappointments. We will rise out of the water made new, and those that see will know we've been with Jesus. We are called to bless those around us, to raise up the new generation of the church, to go outside the limits of the church building into the community and share the promise of Jesus. about that. Welcome. Yes, it's good to see everybody. So let's stand. We're going to worship. Um, and welcome if you're online as well. So God, I just pray right now over our hearts and minds that we will hear your voice. You say that your sheep hear your voice and we know you and we follow you and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. So God, I just ask that we would be very aware of what you're trying to say to us today. And that, God, you would wake us up and let, us, um, be, let it be sweet to your ears, God, that joy. In Jesus' name. Let's do this. And as there's the word, but it couldn't fill me. praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along and put me back together and every desire is now satisfied
I'm so glad he's got us right now. When I feel the fear come, no, I won't run away, even in valleys. Your presence is enough when I feel the shaking. Oh, I will stand my ground. Your presence is enough. Sing, you are with me. Yes, you are with me. Oh, Father, you're for me. Oh, fear you'll never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Oh, fear you'll never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. When I feel the pressure, I won't run away, even in tension. Your presence is enough when I'm in the mystery. God, I will stand my ground. My God, you are enough, because you are with me. Yes, Father, you're for Fear you'll never conquer me Cause I 
shepherd. You're my shepherd, you're my keeper, my provider, my protector. You surround me, you're in every step I take. You're my goodness, you're the constant, you're my first love and our future. You surround me, you're in every step I I just thank you that you've given us Jesus, that you have saved us from so many things, 
so many things, mostly myself, but mostly fear. I feel like fear is a big thing. And it's always underneath something. And so God, I just ask that you would move in this space, the space in our hearts that doesn't even know what it is that's holding us back from this deeper, deeper relationship with you, God. Breakthrough. And we just say no to anything that is clouding our minds and hearts. Let it drop right off to the ground so we can just praise your name. Because we belong to you. We are your kids. And nothing can separate us from the love of God because of Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, our God reigns. Yes, hallelujah, our God reigns. Oh, hallelujah, our God, you reign. Oh, forever, all my days, hallelujah.
does reign. Amen? Amen. And that means he reigns over every area of our life. You know, through the good things, through our work, through our family, the difficult things, God is there and he wants to reign in our lives. We just need to invite him in. And one of the ways that we do that is we just take time to pray and seek him. There's lots of ways that we can do that. And I invite you here now, if you came in and there's a place you need God to reign in your life, just to have a seat and offer that up to him today. So people when we come around you, just put their, their hand on your shoulder and just to let you know you are not alone. You know, if you're watching online, you're at your campsite, you're in your living room, you might kneel down or bow your, bow your head and say, God, I need you to reign in this area of my life. So let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the truth of that, that you reign over everything, God. You reign over those difficult places. You reign over the highest of heights, God, and you want to be a part of every part of our lives, no matter how big or how small. So God, we just release those things to you that we are carrying today, those big things and those small things, because we know that we can trust you with them. God, we know there's people here that need healing, that need financial support, that need restoration in relationships, God. They just need you to move. They need just faith today. God, and where their faith is small, God, I pray that they would borrow our faith, that you would remind them of your love, your love for them, that your care for them, that you have plans for them, that you would build up our faith and trust, God, that you would move in our church, you would move in our country and the world, and we know that we can trust you in those. So, God, I pray that you would reign over every situation in this room, online, and around the world, and we just say we love you and we trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is a special day because it is Father's Day, and we are so excited that you are here with us today. And for me, Father's Day just means lots of different things. There's been lots of people that have played that role of father in my life, whether it's a grandparent, an uncle, a friend, a brother. You know, if you're a guy, you probably play a role of father to somebody today. And we just want to pray this prayer of blessing over you today. So just listen to this as we pray over you. Let us honor these fathers who have been striven to balance the demands of work, marriage, and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. Let us praise those fathers who, lacking a good model for a father, have worked to become a worthy and virtuous father. Let us bless those fathers who, on their own account, were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer those children, now grown, their love and support. Let us pray for those fathers who've been wounded by the words and actions of their children. Let us praise those fathers who, despite marital discord, have remained in their children's lives. Let us bless those fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support has nurtured a thriving life. Let us praise those fathers who, as stepfathers, freely chose the obligation of fatherhood and earned their stepchildren's love and respect. Let us honor those fathers who have lost a child to death and continue to hold that child in their heart. Let us pray for those men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if it were their own. Let us praise those men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. Let us pray for those men who are about to become fathers that they may openly delight in their children. And let us remember those fathers who have died, who have gone before us but live in our memory and whose love continues to nurture us. And we just wanna bless you and pray that you sense God's love who is our Father in heaven today. Now you can be seated and uh, watch this video that we have for you.
He's my dad. <laughs> well, he's the nicest person in the world. We went to his birthday last week. He has a mustache. My dad's helpful. Nice. Sometimes very bossy. <laughs> he takes care of us a lot. Um, my dad is a really hard worker. My dad is funny. 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 He likes to tease people. He's pretty funny. Kind of jokes around sometimes. My dad tells some j dad jokes that aren't very funny because my dad jokes. In Florida, um, we were doing bets and he lost a bet so he had to jump into the creek with alligators. He's fine, for the most part. My brother and my dad sometimes have uh, fart wars. Around all the day he works at his work with his work friends. He loves to um, go on four-wheelers and go-karts with us. He likes to sleep. <laughs> um, he plays cards with me, plays around the house, works out, or does laundry, I think. He takes us to some restaurants like Applebee's. I like going to the store with my dad because we always have something to talk about. I like playing with him. Barbies. He normally does. Soon I'm going to learn how to ride a bike with him. I like to work as much as he does and I got into like hunting and like being more in the outdoors because of him. He's taught me a bunch, but some of my favorite are um, teaching me how to ride a quad and helping with my homework. He teaches us to like, help others. Like if someone's feeling down and uh, make them happy. Um, that I've gotta be the understanding person in the hard situation. He does teach us very well about the Bible because he knows a lot about God. Almost every single dinner we do, he prays for us. Well, he loves my heart. He gives me a lot of hugs when I go to sleep. My dad tells me he loves me like this. He loves that. That's it. Happy Father's Day. 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 But let's just be clear, every dad joke is funny. Not just some of them, all of them. Hey, I just want to welcome you to All Shore. So glad that you are with us today, whether you're joining online or you're right here in the room. Really glad that you are here to spend this day with us and celebrate with us today. Man, we would love to connect with you, and the best tool we have to do that is our connection card. And the link to that is right in front of you on your seat. There's a QR code. You can, anytime in the service today, you can just open up your phone and point it at that, and the digital connection card will come up. You can also meet somebody in person back at our connection point. We'd love to meet you there. You know, if you are new, if this is your first day with us, we are especially glad that you are here and joining us today and excited that you are here. We'd love to meet you, connect with you, just help you take steps in your faith journey. So fill out that card. You can put prayer requests on there. And we'd love to continue to connect with you and grow with you as a church family. Well, we're going to continue this morning in worship. And we're going to do that simply through giving. Because we really believe that when we give, it is an act of worship. That we give out of our heart, out of the joy and about part of that God has given to us and give back to him to support his church, what he's doing in this community and around the world. You know, this week, um, we had a bunch of kids go off to youth camp, and I was talking with Nate this morning and with Lindsay. They were talking about what a great week it was. You know, we had four kids commit their life to Christ for the very first time this week. Yeah, let's celebrate that. 
You know, we had another 14 kids who just renewed their commitment and said, you know, I am all in. I'm going to seek after God with all my heart. And we're able to do those things. We're able to invest in the next generation because of your generosity, because of your love, your support, and the way you serve. You know, whether it's kids downstairs or in our youth group on the nights of the week, we are so grateful to be part of a generous church who believes in the next generation. So thank you for doing that. So if you came prepared to give, just do that out of joy and an act of worship. The ways to give are on the screen, and there are boxes on the sides of the, by the doors on the way out. And we just want to thank you for doing that today. Now turn your attention to the screen for more information about what's coming up. Why am I the only one here? Hm, whatever. Front row parking. Nice. Do, 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 do. Huh. Why is the door locked? What time is it? Hello? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, my body. Walking was a bad choice. Where the heck is everyone? Maybe I'm the first one here. Hmm. That's weird. The door never feels like this when I pull it. that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Well, welcome again, those of you in Spring Lake, and I want to welcome those who are joining us online. We are in week two of our series called Tempted, and we are going to wind up in Matthew chapter four. Uh, there is a three-week series on the temptations of Jesus, so if you're kind of new to this, uh, you're going to want to look back to last week and uh, the first message that Pastor Pete did on, on our appetites, but we're going to get into the text in just a minute, but we believe that the same Holy Spirit that gave us these words uh, is the same Holy Spirit that's right here with us. And so we just believe that God is ready to move and there might be something. No, we believe there is something that he wants for each and every one of us. And so we want to prepare ourselves to hear from him today. And so if you'll bow your heads, we're just going to take a moment of silence and pause and prepare ourselves to hear his word. grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And God, we are thankful that you have given us these words from the Holy Spirit, and it's your spirit that's with us here today to speak to us. And so we just want to be attuned and listen in. If there's anything that's of me today, Lord, I pray that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But if there's something that you have for us, Lord, I pray whether it's a whisper or a shout in our spirit that you would just... Let us know what that is to give us uh, encouragement or challenge today. Maybe it's conviction. But Lord, ultimately that we would leave here knowing that we have been in your presence and that you have changed us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
if God doesn't get me this job, I'm done. If God doesn't prove himself to me, I'm done. If God doesn't fix my marriage, I'm done. These are statements that I've heard from believers and unbelievers alike. And I can understand those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're watching online, that you are kind of seeking out, who is this God that these people keep talking about? And can I really trust him? Can I believe in him? And so we kind of lay that out there and we say, God, if you don't do this, then then I, I give up because you need to take care of my demands, Right? It, it's, it's a subtle way of saying, man, if God were, were more like me, he would fix these things. He would meet my needs. He would do what I want him to do. And it's, it's kind of arrogant, isn't it? I have coworkers and children who don't want to do the way things I want to be done, right? Who, who thinks that God is going to meet those demands? And let's be honest, we're not like God. God is God. He is holy. He is higher than we are. He is better than we are. He is perfect in every way. And yet we think he should come through and meet our needs when we want them done and in the way that we want them done. And it's not just unbelievers who have sometimes these expectations. It's those of us who are followers of Christ. We fall into this at times. You know, we, we kind of couch it a little bit differently. We say, well, I pray all the time, God. You know that, so you should come through. I read my Bible. You know how much I read my Bible this last week. I, I have the minutes all down, right? As though somehow we're, if we do all the right things, we fill all the right, check all the right boxes, I go to church, I'm in a group, I do all this. Well, why aren't you showing up, God, in my time and in my way? We have a tendency... And we want God to come through. And we want God to fix things in our lives. That's natural. We don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable. But the tendency is to take this gap when we are in the waiting, this, this, this time frame when we are uncomfortable. And we want it to be over with. We don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like waiting. And so we want God to fix it. And if he doesn't fix it, we just do it ourselves. We're a do-it-yourself culture. We can fix it. We can have conversations. We can do things. We just don't want to wait. This last, uh, this last week, we had a technician at our house. Our, our air conditioner wasn't working. We knew that. We had a company that was going to come out. And three weeks ago, they said it, it would be three weeks. So I had to wait. Now, I, we were comfortable waiting when it was 58 degrees out. I don't know if you guys remember, but this last Tuesday, it got a little hot. And that was the day that they were coming out. So I was like, all right, thank you, God, for your timing, right? But then the technician showed up, and he's looking at all the parts, and there was a few things that he didn't have the parts for, and I was going to have to wait. And I literally pulled out my phone, because I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like waiting. He told me what, they, what, what, what I needed. And while he was kneeling over the air conditioner and working on things, I'm literally on my phone ordering things from Home Depot because I can get it in two days. I don't like waiting. 
I don't like being uncomfortable. And I imagine that there were times this week when you were uncomfortable, something went wrong, or maybe you thought, oh, I really need that today. And you went on your phone, you went on your computer, and Amazon had it on your porch the next day. I know you did that. It's a fix-it-yourself culture. If you're working on something and you need, you go to the store. And if you're like me, you forget everything and you have to go back to the store and get it again. But we have the opportunity to do that, and that's what we do. We fix it. We just fix it. That's a part of our culture. Unfortunately, that bleeds into our spiritual lives as well. We have a tendency when things aren't going our way, when we don't like the uncomfortableness, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in our jobs, if it's not going the way we want it to go and we don't see God moving immediately, our tendency, sometimes we don't even wait on God, our tendency is to pick up the phone or do whatever we need to do. We just take care of it. We fix it ourselves. It's a temptation that we have, and we're not alone in that. I think this is part of the temptation that Jesus had. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to get into the text this morning. Because Jesus uh, faced temptations, at least the three that we see in Matthew chapter 4. There were other times that Jesus was tempted, but in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus finds himself in the wilderness. And so if you weren't with us last week, let me just give you a quick context and rundown. Jesus uh, has not yet started his ministry. He's about 30 years old. He gets baptized in the Jordan River. And when he's baptized, the spirit comes down like a dove, lands on him. The, the father from heaven says the words, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. So Jesus is accepted by the father. Hasn't even done a miracle, hasn't taught anything, hasn't done any ministry, but he receives from the father. Oh, the father is pleased with me. He loves me for who I am. There's an acceptance of his relationship that he has with the father. And immediately after baptism, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness alone. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and praying. He's preparing for what would be his ministry. And it's in that wilderness that the enemy of God, the devil, shows up. And he begins to tempt Jesus. The first temptation was to turn rocks into bread because he was hungry. And Jesus overcame that temptation because he said, he quoted from Deuteronomy. Jesus quoted scripture and he said, man does not live up by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, right? That there is something more that God has for us. And it's not just our, our satisfying our appetites. It's hungering and thirsting for God to know him, to be in his presence. And Pete, last week, shared about how we overcome the antidote of that, that, that temptation uh, to, uh, of our appetite to overcome that is silence and solitude in Scripture where we learn to sit with the Lord and we long for Him to fill us. It's a, it's a whole different satisfaction. And it fills us in a way that nothing else, entertainment, nothing else can do for us. But the devil didn't just go away. He then takes Jesus, and this is what Matthew says, he takes Jesus out of the wilderness and he took him to the holy city that is Jerusalem. 
So they're in the area of Jerusalem in the wilderness. He takes them to Jerusalem, which was the center of the spiritual life of Israel. It's where, you know, the religious people, it's where they, they came for all the festivals and, and to sacrifice. And he takes them to the highest point on the temple. And the temple is where God's presence was. So there they are on the top of the temple overlooking Jerusalem. And the devil says this. If you are the son of God, he said, then throw yourself down. Why? For it is written in the Psalms, it is written. He, that is God, the father will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off because the angels will catch you. You won't even get hurt because that's what the Psalm says. Now, I don't know about you, but... Uh, you, you know, we say that the temptations of Jesus are a lot like our own temptations. And I've never had been tempted to stand up on my roof and have angels catch me. So I just want to give us a background of the context and what is happening here before Jesus responds to this temptation. You see, he starts off by questioning his acceptance of who he was. The father had already said, this is my son. And he's questioning, if you are the son of God, he's questioning his relationship with the father. But he's saying, man, if, if you really are his son, in a positive way, then you can do this. You can throw yourself down because angels will catch you. But the key here is this phrase, throw yourself down. It's not a circumstance that is happening to Jesus and he needs God to protect him. It's a Jesus you can do this yourself. And the word throw means also to make happen, to bring it about. So the devil says to Jesus, Jesus, look, I know you've got ministry ahead of you, but you've got years. There's going to be a lot of struggle. You're going to have disciples, right? He doesn't say all this, but Jesus knows. You're going to have relationships that are broken. You're going to have people that are going to walk away from you. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have hunger. You're going to have strife. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to go through all of this just so you can be known. Just so others will know that you are the Son of God, that you are Lord. Tell you what, we can circumvent all that right now. We can short-circuit God's plan. And if you would just do this now, if you would just take action, and throw yourself down. If you will create the circumstances so then God can come through for you, then oh, imagine everyone will see that you're safe. The angels will show up. Who's not going to go, wow, look at that? They're going to accept you for who you are. They're going to know that you are Lord. The devil's temptation is do-it-yourself spirituality. It's to avoid the uncomfortableness, to avoid the waiting, to avoid any suffering that you might go through and just take care of it yourself. Throw yourself down. Now that's a temptation I can relate to because there are times when even this last week, I was working on my message on Wednesday and my wife called and there's a circumstance that we're now in and we were like, oh, what should we do? Should we make this call? Should we do this? Should we sign up for that? Should we? 
And we talked about it. And I was like, oh, Lord, you had me preaching on this topic this week, right? And just said, no, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. Because that's a do-it-yourself. That's a fix-it. I think we need to lean on him. I think we need to trust him. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus turns to the devil and he says this. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus could do this. He could fall for this temptation. He could throw himself off. He could do it yourself spirituality and fix it and not have to be uncomfortable or go through suffering. But Jesus says, no, no, that's not God's way. God has something more. He says to the devil, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He also quotes scripture. This is from Deuteronomy 6.16. Now, there's some significance to this, and here's why. Jesus didn't quote the whole verse. But the context of the verse is this. The verse in Deuteronomy 6.16 says, Do not test the Lord your God like you did at Massa. There's a story behind this. You see, Israel had tested the Lord in the past. It didn't go well. The people of God, back, back in Exodus, had been delivered out of Egypt. They had been in slavery for 400 years. They had been in bondage. And the Lord, out of his power, out of his grace, out of his love, he delivered them out of Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea miraculously. They went through the waters, if you will, baptism. And immediately after baptism, where did they wind up? The wilderness. Just like Jesus. And it's there in the wilderness that they too got tempted. God had a promised land that he said, oh, there's something down the road for you guys. You're going to be in a promised land that I have for you. It's a land of milk and honey. You're going to have everything you need. You're going to live in homes that you did not build. You're going to drink from wells that you did not dig. You're going to have the fruit of the vine that you did not plant. You're going to have all these things. Just let me take you through this. And the people said, no, we're just thirsty. They started grumbling and complaining. Is the Lord really with us? We're out here in the wilderness. I'm thirsty. It's natural. Moses, tell God to give us water. And they began to test the Lord. They began to demand that they wanted their, they wanted their thing at their time. Tell the Lord, we want water right now. And Moses was frustrated and said, listen, don't test the Lord. You've got all of this down the road for your future, and you're willing to forego all that God might have for you for a bottle of Dasani? Talk about short-circuiting God's plan, right? But it does beg the question for you and I. How many times do we settle for a bottle of Dasani when God has something way more for us in the future? Because we fall into temptation of a do-it-yourself spirituality. We fix things. We don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like waiting on God. Jesus takes that context and he takes that verse. He says, listen, I know Israel failed. 
but he quotes the first part. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I'm not going to fall for that. God has something more for me. Yeah, it's going to involve some suffering. Yeah, it's going to involve some brokenness. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. But the result is going to be way better than giving into this. Having angels catch me will give me a lot of applause from people. But if you, if I wait and allow God to do it his way in his time, <laughs> there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I am Lord. So I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to do it. Do it yourself. I'm going to wait. I'm going to accept what the Lord has for me because his way is better than mine. Oh, how many times do we just give in instead of accepting what God has for us? It's not easy. And it means we have to sit in it. Sometimes we have to, we have to wait in it. But Jesus overcame the temptation because he accepted who he was in his relationship with God. He accepted his position of where he was. He accepted his situation and said, I'm going to wait on God. And, and just so you know, I want to give you a little sneak peek. Not only did Jesus overcome this temptation, right? I know we got one more next week. I'm going to, a little spoiler alert. He overcomes that one too. Um, but when he is done, watch this. Verse 11 says this, and the angels came and attended him. The temptation that Satan had for Jesus was throw yourself down, and what will the angels do? They'll attend to you. Jesus said, no, I'm going to wait on God's time. And when it was done, God came through, and the angels attended him. They took care of him. It was exactly what God wanted to do in his way and in his time. Temptation in and of itself is not sin, but when you and I act upon it, when you guys do, when we do it our way, we miss the mark and we miss what God has for us. But the temptation in itself can be something we can learn from. Here's what I want us to take away. Temptation can lead you to trust in God's way and in God's time. An acceptance of where God has you and whatever circumstances you're in. It's not easy. It's not part of our culture. It's not the way we do anything else. But if you and I will wait, you and I will be patient, if you and I will lean into these difficult times and, and ask God, what do you have for me? He's got something better, something more down the road. And we don't want to short circuit that. So our temptations can sound like this. If you are a child of God, can't you demand God show up? If you are a child of God, can't you demand God to come through for you? If you are a child of God, can't you demand that God will remove you from this situation? That's the temptation. To demand of God to do it our way in our time. But I wonder if when we are tempted, we don't turn those into statements. I am a child of God, and I can accept the truth that God has for me. I am a child of God, and I can accept that God is with me in this. I am a child of God, and I can trust that God will come through in his way. I am a child of God, and I can believe that God will handle this in his 
time. Temptation can lead us to trust, to accept in God's way and in God's time. And so what does that look like? How does, how does that play out? Last week, as I said, Pastor Pete talked about our appetites, and the antidote is silence and solitude in Scripture and Scripture and hungering for him. And the reason is, is because oftentimes we want to fill that with other things. But the same is true with this temptation of acceptance. We want to fill that gap of, of uncomfortableness. We, we want to fix it ourselves. And so the antidote is to simply do the opposite. What do we do when we run into these circumstances, when we are tempted in this way to take action, we start by praying personally. Your time of abiding with the Lord, seeking his face. This is a time when God might reveal to you that he has something that he wants to do in your life, in you. There's a character in your life that he wants to develop. He wants you to learn what it means to be patient. He wants you to learn what it means to trust. He wants you to learn what it means to be dependent fully on him each and every day. And that's a lesson we all need to learn. Sometimes it can only be learned when we are in these circumstances. So we begin to pray, Lord, what are you doing? How can I learn to lean into you? Then pray in community. There are times when we gather with others, two or three, uh, who are there in his name. He's there in our midst. God reveals and helps us to discern through other believers the, the character in our lives and what's going through. They can give us a different perspective. Some of us have gone through some similar experiences and can share the wisdom of what we've learned as we've gone through difficult times. And we pray together. We have a ministry called Wellsprings here, which is a freedom ministry where people can experience healing from the past and God's acceptance and God's love. And we have a whole team of people who are trained to walk through difficult times with individuals and pray over and lead people through this process. You, if that interests you, if you're in a place where you're like, I need that, you can sign up online. On our website, there's a way to sign up and to get connected to our Wellsprings ministry. Maybe it's just getting into a group. I know last week our group is kind of like over the summer, we just get together every now and then. But last week we got together as a group to have some fun, went up to the Taste of Muskegon and we were hanging out. But our conversation turned to what's God's doing in your life? We heard stories of how we can be praying for one another and what, what we're going through together. And there's always something a, a, of an encouragement when you can say, I can stay in this. Other people are with me. They're carrying me right now. I might not feel like I can handle it, but they will be with me in this, along with the Lord being in this with me. Third, this is the harder part, to simply wait. The scripture uses different words for this. In the New Testament, one of the words for patience is long-suffering. Man, that's a bad word. But it's exactly what it is, isn't it? You know what I mean. Long suffering. Sitting in it and waiting. Okay, God, I know you have something. The temptation is to keep trying to fix it, but God has something more. So we wait. And we allow God in his way and in his time to change things for us. 
the church I served at before I came to All Shores uh, had, a, had a family that uh, felt called to the mission field. And in that process, they were raising funds. And in a very short period of time, they had most of their funds. And instead of waiting the full two years before they left to go on the field, they felt like they were ready. And so before their funding was completely uh, all there, they, they went to the country where they were planning to go. And they said, well, we'll raise the rest of the funds later. We, we just, we, we got to get going. So they got to the place where they were going, and they were supposed to do language learning for a couple of years to learn the heart language of the people group they were ministering to. But the school that they were supposed to attend to learn language had recently closed. And so they didn't, their, their process had changed, and so they didn't really want to wait to figure out, well, what do we do? So they said, why don't we just go to the north of the country where they were going to eventually go to, and why don't we go there now, and we'll just figure it out. We'll, we'll learn the language later, and we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll learn culture and language later on. So they moved to the north where they knew no one, couldn't speak the language, and living in this small place, those who lived around them, the people in that culture, didn't really accept them all that well. And the husband, who really sensed this call, to ministry began to take leaders and go out to remote villages to preach the gospel, to show the Jesus film, and they saw success. People were coming to the Lord, and he was gone for days and sometimes weeks at a time, leaving his wife and his infant child in this small house in a community where they didn't know anyone and didn't know the language. And depression began to set in. And the locals were throwing rocks at the house. And it was, it was a hard, difficult season. What was supposed to take a good three years to get to this place had been nine months. And in nine months, they had to leave the field. They couldn't do it anymore. And I wondered, we wondered, did they try to take action on their own? Did God call them to the mission field? I believe that. But when things got uncomfortable, when they, when they had to be in the waiting, they didn't wait. They just did. They did it for the Lord. They did it for the right reason, right? The devil said, angels will catch you. That's a great thing. But it's not God's way. It's not God's time. Contrast that with one of our own here at All Shores. I call him Brother Dave because we can't use his real name. And uh, he's going to a place in Central Asia. But for two years, he felt a call to the mission field and went on trips, was in a group. We worked with him. We were praying with him. And after two years, God confirmed, yep, I want you on the field. But he didn't know where. And so he waited again. And door after door kept closing. He wanted to be under appointment. He wanted to raise funds, but he couldn't do that because he didn't know where God wanted him. Frustration set in. It was uncomfortable, but he waited. And during his time with the Lord, God gave him a word. Gave it to him a couple of times. I've seen his devotions. I've seen his journal. And it was out of that that God wound up leading him to a missionary who said, I know what that word means. And this is the people group that God wants you to minister to. And it was just a, like this powerful story 
of knowing exactly where you're supposed to go and what exactly you're supposed to do. But it took years of waiting to get to that point. He's still got to wait. He's got another year before he goes on the field, but he's doing that. He's sitting in it. He's raising funds. He's going through training. He's learning a new language right now. He's preparing himself. He's in the wilderness, but he's going to be ready to go in God's way and in God's time. What a difference it makes when we sit and we wait on him. There's a promised land out there. There's something more God has for you. Don't settle for fixing it yourself when you can wait on the Lord. And you can learn to trust when you are tempted to take action. Learn to trust in God's way and in God's time. I don't know where you're at today or what God is asking you to wait on, but most of us here have an area that we think we can fix challenge is don't fall for that temptation. Lean into God. Let him bring about the change. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you are with us in the midst of this. I think of the Israel in the wilderness asking the question, is God even with us? Oh, Lord, if we are questioning that this morning, oh, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us again that yes, you are here. You are with us. And you are for us. And God, that you would, even now, as we sit in the waiting, whatever those places are where we are struggling, where we are uncomfortable, I pray even now, Lord, that you would give us the hope that we can get through this by leaning into you. Lord, we do pray for change. We pray for resolution. We pray for healing. But God, we want it to be done your way. And in your time, and until then, Lord, we will just trust you in all things. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. We're going to close out the service this morning uh, by taking communion together. And uh, I'm over here. There I am. Um, we're going to take communion together. Uh, and as you came in, you should have received a cup. If not, they are uh, just outside these doors. Our ushers are out there and they can give you one. That We know that there are two layers. We know that that can be difficult. First layer is for the wafer. Second one is for the juice, the cup. But if you're new here and you're like, I'm not sure what this is all about. As we take communion, this is a response to hearing God's word. Jesus, when he met with his disciples... He shared the Last Supper with them and he had communion with them. And he said, as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. It's a way that the church can be reminded. Not only is God with us, but be reminded of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We can trust him. And so we, re we renew that each and every week. And so I'm going to ask us to stand. We're going to worship together. This is an open table. If you are pursuing a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with Christ, we encourage you to take part together with us. And I will lead us through this in just a minute where we're going to start with some song. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the mountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let 
the king of my heart be the shadow where i hide the ransom for my life oh he is my song you are good you're good oh 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 let the king of my heart be the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. If he would have short-circuited God's plans, if he would have just done it his way, we wouldn't be hearing these words. It's because of his sacrifice of what he was willing to wait on the Lord for that we can know his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Let us take and eat in remembrance of him. And then taking the cup, he said, this is the blood of a new covenant. Not the blood of a lamb, but my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. Let us take and drink in remembrance. God, we pray your blessing over these elements to our body, to our souls. God, that we would this morning commit ourselves to waiting on you in all things, to not take action ourselves, but to trust you, to be dependent on you, and to accept where you have us because there is something more that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just continue to worship. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Yes, you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let
What a great word to end with. It might feel like night for you right now, the circumstances that you're in, but hold on. He's holding on to you. He's got something more. I want to invite you to come back next week as we conclude this series. Sorry about the spoiler. But, uh, but come back next week, uh, 9 o'clock and 11 here in Spring Lake. The following week on July 3rd is our United Service, all three campuses here at 10. So remember that. Um, why don't you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continue to fill you with his spirit. Uh, may this week when you are tempted to take action, that his spirit would cause you to pause and to lean on him, that you might experience hope, peace, trust, and acceptance of where he has you and what he's doing in your life and in our world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Father's Day.